Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Here we go with Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you, as always, for joining me on Apple Podcasts app, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's football season, baby. It's exciting. Week one in the books. Giants, Jets, in the lost column. That doesn't matter. we got a lot to talk about. The good, the bad, the ugly. It's all coming your way right here on Subway Sports Talk. Joining me for the first time on the Subway Sports Talk podcast. I've been on his podcast one time, though. Pat Boyle, my guy. What's good? Nothing, man. By the way, that intro is absolute fire. You like, this, was, you like was, the song? I was waiting to see what you were going to pop it out with, and then you hit the, the stand, stand clear, oh. the closing doors, <laughs> and the, dude, wonderfully done. I, I got juiced up. I'm ready to rock now. I didn't know if I needed something to, to, to get me going, but that intro music, well done. You know what? It's uh, It really does get the juices flowing. You feel that energy. You know what the vibe is set at, you know? And, Absolutely. And, a guy who's always bringing the vibe also, and we'll get into who you guys are in a moment, but I want to get him in here before he feels left out. My guy, Rocco Del Puri, Coach Del, my dude, welcome to Subway Sports Talk. What's up? Uh, PD, so excited, man. Uh, Pat hit the nail on the head. Your intro, more well-prepared than the Jets were to open <laughs> the 2020 season, man. Let's get after it. Uh, excited to be here, talk some good sports. But nobody better than Peter Kennedy. Hey, man, don't butter me up too much. You guys are hyping me up. The, the ego goes high. My takes get worse and worse. You got you to gotta knock me down a peg. That's when the real fight comes out of me. So, you well, know, I, I appreciate up, it. I hyped up your intro. I didn't necessarily hype you up. Hey, so. well, I, I made the intro, <laughs> so I'll take what I can get as well. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. <laughs> but uh, just to, so we can get out of the way who you guys are and why we're all here together to talk sports. And, Pat, I'll start with you. Uh, we go back to our college days uh, as teammates classmates of sorts, different grade, but whatever. Uh, same interest, that same drive, trying to get in that TV, radio world, be on-air talents and do all this fun stuff. And we've been saying for a long time, we're going to work together. Obviously, this is not the end. This is just the beginning. So we got a lot of stuff to do. You do play-by-play for multiple colleges. You work with me at the, well, not work with me. You work at the fan as well, uh, doing great stuff. Pat, appreciate you coming on. Uh, can you just, like, tell us about your allegiance in football? Because I feel like, you know, it'll get people off to the right foot with you. Yeah, sure. So uh, just to, to kind of hit on that, I mean, who would have known, man, after uh, just like basically a year and a half together at TCNJ, and then I, I transferred out to Drew, but we were both playing college baseball together for a little bit. Never knew that years later, we'd be both working at the fan and now both doing, you know, on each other's podcast. So thank you for having me on. It's, uh, it's awesome. You know, I, I, I kind of, we share the same drive uh, and it's great to kind of, you know, seeing each other chase that. So I love that, but uh, yeah, that, you know, allegiance in football, uh, right away, uh, <laughs> I'm just throwing you under the bus. <laughs> you're, you're, no, no, that's fine. Right away, your listeners can kind of, uh, you know, throw some banana peels and some tomatoes at me. I am a, I am a Cleveland Browns fan, so it kind of hurts saying that. <laughs> but um, I mean, after all the hype last year with uh, with Baker Mayfield and the Browns, of course they go six and ten. They miss the playoffs, and of course they get destroyed, uh, you, you know, against the Ravens in Week One. But through uh, for basically yeah, the past ten to twelve years, um, ever since I was like ten, and I was like, you know what, I don't, I don't think I want to just follow my dad's teams. Cause that's what a lot of kids do. And, and, you know, no blame to that, but 
whatever reason, I, I picked the, the Cleveland Browns when I was like 10 years old, and I've been wearing that uh, on my sleeve proudly or uh, disgracefully ever since. I thought you were going to say, I've been wearing that Peyton Hillis jersey ever since. <laughs> <laughs> my God. That's how you know, man. You bring out the Peyton Hillis reference right there off the bat. That was good. Oh, man. Also, Pat Boy, you can hear him on the Boyle and Shen show. All the places you listen to podcasts. Boyle and Shen doing great stuff all the time as well. I've been on that show once or twice. Actually, just once. I don't know why I said it like that. But great fun, great stuff by Pat. We do have to have you on again. But, yes, I appreciate the shout out there. Absolutely. And uh, Rocco Del Puri, who I have to really figure out what I'm going to call you consistently on this pod because I've called you coach for so long. You coach me. It's crazy. Every level at – at high school, you coached yep, me on the freshman that. team, the JV team, and two years on varsity. The way our, our things progressed was the same exact thing. So Coach Dell, Rocco, Rock, Dell, whatever you want to call him, he's here. He's a football guy through and through. Great talker of sports. Knows football better than a lot of people that I know. So Coach Dell, Rocco, welcome. Thank you, Pete. Uh, tough fall for me. Uh, first time in uh, over 20 years I won't be coaching or playing. Uh, right now, football is uh, getting attacked in uh, New York, as, as uh, 42 other states are currently playing, where uh, we've uh, pretty much decided we're moving it to the spring. So I got plenty of time to talk with you. Yeah. Talk about the Jets. Draw talk them about defenses. The Giants, talk with my boy, Patty Boyle, over here in the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> uh, so I'm excited at this uh, this opportunity and uh, lo- looking forward to uh, – bring some good points and hopefully uh, hopefully do better than Charles Oakley did uh, his <laughs> last night at uh, Madison Square Garden. I was going to say, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring it up. If this was still the sports blog, New York podcast, which it no longer is, uh, you know, you would actually be a sports blog, New York legend of sorts. We'll still leave you, you know, that title, but the famous Charles Oakley video that acts absolutely blew up our Twitter account. You know what it was five years ago or something like that. Five, four years ago, three, I forget. It doesn't matter. You know, you were the one who captured the moment. You were the one. You were doing radio hits in L.A. over here, over there. You 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 made a made the best of it. Made it fun in a pretty crappy situation, but uh, it was legendary having you a part of the SBNY stuff going on over there. It's it's funny, you know. On on my tombstone, it's going to say, uh, "Ordered great." It was great at ordering Chinese food and, and filmed Charles Oakley <laughs> getting detained at uh, Madison Square Garden. That's it. My dad was the guy who filmed the Charles Oakley video. <laughs> oh, my gosh. If you've seen Charles Oakley, though, I think, you know what? If he heard your radio hit, I think he'd be proud with what you did. You you backed him. You were like, hey, man, listen, the Jets could use him on the D-line. That forehand shiver was working. <laughs> oh, without a doubt. He, he might have tackled Josh Allen yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> So slow, even Oakley might have been faster off the ball. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, let's get into it. There's nowhere else to go but to these great week one games. Unfortunately, because of the nature of this podcast, we're not going to start with the great games. We're going to end up starting with uh, the more lackluster performances, perhaps out of these two New York teams. I think off the jump, we look at the Giants' uh, loss to the Steelers, which just ended a couple minutes before we started recording. There's negatives. There was a really bad play by Daniel Jones. Uh, there was some good drives that just got stopped out of nowhere. Some There were some nice things to draw on, but not enough, not consistent enough, uh, and they came up with a you know a, a pretty big loss, you know, 26 to, to 10, only put 10 points on the board, but somehow that feels like nothing compared to what happened to the Jets uh, despite the score being much closer in the Jets game. So, Dell, I'm going to go right to you, and let's just talk about the Jets off the jump. 
if there's one thing you could have really hoped for with any team, obviously this being your team that you watch the most, it's effort, it's energy, and it's as best attention to detail as possible without any preseason games, right? And what did the Jets do? Penalties, penalties, penalties. Looked flat at times. On a scale of disappointment with the Jets opening day uh, games that you've seen in your life, is this one a little extra disappointing because there's so much riding and so much flux that could come uh, to this franchise this season? It was uh, very tough to watch, Pete. Uh, level of disappointment. You know, I couldn't even put a number to it. <laughs> um, you come into this game against a, a rival opponent that, um, you know, you've split with the last three years. Uh, the division finally is up for grabs, so say, with Brady not in the division. And uh, you had no preseason game, so there's, there's no film for any team to plan on you. And you, you put that performance out there on tape. It was very disappointing um, from top to bottom, from the head coach to the quarterback, to the defensive coordinator, as well as the front seven. Um, I think uh, it's going to be a long season, and uh, I'd be shocked if uh, Gates gets through November. And, and that's like right, that right there. I'm glad you ended with that line because that's obviously the hot tweet, the hot Instagram post, you know, fire Gase, get rid of Gase. It's the hot take for, uh, you know, radio hosts, not just in New York, but across the country. Uh, you know, what is he bringing to the table? What type of preparation uh, is he leading this team with? That's the question. But the question then moves to what happens when he gets fired? And me and you, Rock, were talking about it before we started recording. What's the answer? Is there a guy in the building that you're that happy with that you're going to just cut this guy out? Uh, what happens to Sam Darnold with yet another rotation of playbooks and whatnot in just his third year in the league? Pat, unfortunately, you have some experience with these situations where the coach is being, you know, getting ripped up in, in, in radio shows across the country. We need a new coach. First it was Hugh Jackson, then it was Freddie Kitchens. Now who knows what's going to happen with Stefanski. Pat, is there, is there is the grass evergreener on that side? You know, obviously it's it's easy to say fire Gase, but... What could be the, the positive outcome if they do make the fire? Look, I, I've witnessed a long line, a long, long line of failed quarterbacks for the Cleveland Browns. And I've witnessed uh, what seems like an even longer line of head coaches that have been shuffled in and out of the doors in Cleveland. Uh, lines of coaches and quarterbacks that make the Staten Island Expressway look like there's no traffic on it. <laughs> so coming from the Browns fan experience, I can tell you that firing a bad coach does not necessarily mean your organization is automatically going to turn it around and turn the next page. And for a, a decent amount of time, the Jets have had some pretty decent coaches. Uh, say what you will about Eric uh, Mancini. The guy wasn't terrible. And then you had Rex Ryan, who took you to an AFC championship game with a quarterback, two AFC championship games, right, with a quarterback who was, you know, say we will about Sanchez again. He's, Perhaps he's average. He's a butt fumble. He was average, an average quarterback, and Rex Ryan took you to two AFC championship games. So uh, the Jets, you know, necessarily the head coaching job hasn't been one that they've had to kick themselves over for a long time. And now that you saw last year, you had the talent that was probably better uh, than what the record showed. Now this year, you got worse. Uh, You're obviously now without Jamal Adams, who I think if you're a Jets fan, you're probably glad. Uh, Another whiny, you know, crybaby uh, celebrity, uh, you know, player on the NFL who just wanted out uh, for whatever reason after, you know, pledging his allegiance to the Jets. 
And uh, then also you're down CJ Mosley, one of your best uh, players on the defensive ball as well, because he opted out for the season. And, uh, you know, obviously we know the problems with the offense and not having a lot of talent, especially after Robbie Anderson. So you've got a team that is now worse on paper than last year. And you're going to have a head coach that had to face a lot of questions from last season. They finished the year six and two. You wanted to see them carry that into week one and they fell completely flat on their faces. So right away, Adam Gase starts the season off with an F. And to answer your question, Pete, um, yeah, if he, uh, like Rocco said, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets canned after week five or six or seven, if they're one and six again, and uh, Adam Gase looks as bad as he did in the first half of last year. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to then find a head coach that is going to take this team to where they need to be. Uh, I think Jets and Giants fans both know it is a long process to get where they need to be. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be upset, though, if Adam Gase did get fired uh, in the middle of the season, because I think he is the wrong person to lead this team through a rebuilding. I'd sign up right now to take back Rex Ryan (laughs) and because of what he brings in the confidence, in the, you know, in the intangibles that he had that extra grit that he could bring the locker room together. And uh, I don't see that from Gase. I, I see him as a limited offensive play caller that got a head coaching job because of it. And uh, it's clear he's not the guy that this organization needs right now in this market, in this time, in this, in this league right now where there's great quarterback play and great head coaches. And it looks like we don't have either. And I want to love Donald. I do. Yesterday's game, very tough to, you know, give him a pass when he made rookie mistakes in year three, the delay of game, the missed throws, the check downs that, you know, the, the play, I'm sorry, the, the plays he checked into that uh, resulted in three and outs. So, it's uh, it's going to be a long September, Pete. You know, uh, and and Darnold, just for the record, twenty one thirty five, two hundred fifteen yards, one touchdown, one pick. You know, averaging six yards uh, per attempt or per, per yeah per per completion yeah per attempt. I don't know how that stat works out. Anyways, more of the same though with Gase. The things that you can complain about with you said uh, he doesn't bring that much to the offensive table. It seems like he lives in the checkdown. It seems like he's living in the 20 circa 2017 Eli Manning giants range where it's like, Oh, it's third and eight. Let's throw it three yards. We're not going to even remotely consider trying to get the first down in the air. If it doesn't happen on the ground, like after the catch, then we're screwed. And, And that's a real like floor raiser mentality. And it's not a ceiling raiser mentality. And a floor raiser mentality would be good if Sam Darnold was Aaron Rodgers already, which, you know, there's a lot of time for Sam Darnold to figure it out. And I think watching the Cowboys reminded me, Maybe McCarthy is is a type of guy, you know, who the Jets were considering, who isn't necessarily like raising the ceilings for these teams, but Aaron Rodgers was taking his steadiness and averageness to another level. Sam Darnold, asking him to do that as a third-year quarterback who's had, you know, no consistent talent uh, at wide receiver, an inconsistent O-line, is asking incredibly too much. And it's frustrating because Gase and the Jets, you know, under Sam Darnold last year, seven and six. Gase in multiple different seasons with the Dolphins had them somehow competitive. But when you watch them game in, game out, snap in, snap out, there's not a lot of excitement. There's not a lot of expectation for them to make big plays. There are certain teams in the NFL that you watch where you're always a little bit nervous about that guy in the slot or, uh, you know, their star wide receiver out here, their running back here. 
with the Jets, you watch him and you're like, oh, you know, hopefully Jamison Crowder gets an eight yard catch here. Like that's where the hope kind of goes. And I saw Rocky just cringed a little you bit. Me, tell man. You tell me, me I'm wrong though. And, and you're, ab- you're absolutely right. I, I'm a defensive coordinator. You watch the film of the other team and you say, wow, we need to be one over, one under on this guy. This guy's a game breaker. You know, Tyreek Hill, you're staying up at night. You got to cover him. You got to cap him every play or else he's going to do damage. There's not one guy that does that for you on the Jets. That strikes fear. And so, especially the play calling to, to add to it. And, and even even the biggest play was the Jamison Crowder, what, like dig that, that he took to the house? Like, I, that was a screen. So Was it a screen? Said, yeah, and you said uh, Donald was uh, 235, I believe. You take that 69-yard screenplay out, and the day looks even worse. Right, it's dink and dunk, dink and dunk. And uh, the dink and dunk only works if you have a run game, and you can still take those big shots consistently enough to keep the defense honest. Now, you know, where does the, the blame lie? So, Rock, to you, Darnold versus Gase versus the front office. Joe Douglas is still new enough to where he needs more time, but, you know, how much stress are you putting on Darnold specifically when you watch this game? Are you more disappointed in him or the overall setup? It's tough to say. Um, I, I'm always going to put it to the organization and to the coaching staff. Um, looking at their roster build, I thought they would be more of a 22 personnel team. And when I say that, two tight end, two running back on the field. You have um, – Herndon, you have Ryan Griffin, who you signed to a three-year contract. You drafted Trayvon Wesco the year before that. Um, you have uh, Daniel Brown. You have Le'Veon Bell. You have Frank Gore. You had LaMichael Perrine. He's obviously injured. Those guys are serviceable enough that you should be able to keep the ground game and establish. And Donald's his best when moving, when ad-libbing when rolling out, getting outside the pocket on design rollouts. And uh, you didn't see much of that. Um, so, and they be- beefed up the O-line. I thought that would be the game plan. You have good defense. You, you shorten the game that way by pounding the ball. And then you take your calculated deep shots to a Perryman, to a tight end on the over route. And uh, what I saw was a, you know, slow pay- a slow pace, like you said, dink and dunk, you know, let's just, let's take the bare minimum and check the ball down and, and, and stay positive and uh, stay in front of, you know, and it, and it didn't happen. Right. And they couldn't block, they couldn't block the interior and uh, we couldn't get to, we couldn't get to Allen. So it led for a, a rough first game, man. Right. And getting to Allen, getting to Allen was the only thing keeping you in the game up until the point where it was game breaker time. Now, Pat, is there an optimist view? And I want you to be honest here. Is there an optimist view that this is week one for the Jets in this weird season where they perhaps played a AFC championship contender in the Buffalo Bills? Is there an optimist view there or am I picking? Uh, as much as I, I like to hammer the Jets, yes, I do think you can be an optimist. Um, you know, you can make the excuse for just about any team, new head coach or not, with the way – this season has been affected by COVID, the lack of OTAs, the lack of preparation. You could say a team like the Jets, who obviously need more preparation than other teams and have failed in that in the past and failed miserably again in week one. Uh, yeah, you can be optimist and say, look, uh, it was week one, like you mentioned. Uh, you did play a Buffalo Bills team who, uh, if not for a disaster 
in allowing that game to get away from them against Houston last year, might have had a shot of playing in the AFC championship game and could very well be there this year. They've got, I think, on paper, one of the most talented teams in the AFC. I think on paper they should win the AFC East. Let's see uh, the legend of Bill Belichick, if Mm. he can uh, will the Patriots to an AFC East title. But, yeah, and and you look at the the Jets' schedule, if I, uh, if I pull that up really quickly, and, and you look, and they've got some tough games uh, to start. You know, they're, they're then against San Francisco next week. You're expecting that probably to be a loss, and you're going to be 0-2 going into a game against the Indianapolis Colts, and after that you face the Denver Broncos, the Arizona Cardinals, and the Chargers before playing the Bills again. Those four games – are where I think you're really going to be able to most critically judge this team. Because those are four games that they can they can win all of them. Will they? Probably not. Will they go 500? Um, they have to, I think. Because, like you mentioned, Rocco, you wouldn't be surprised if Adam Gase is out in November. I'll tell you what, if they start the season 0-2 going into those crucial four games against the Colts, Broncos, Cardinals, and Chargers, and they don't win at least two of them, and you're looking at a – well, a one and five record. Yeah. I believe Adam Gase is warranted uh, to be fired. So yeah, you could be optimist because like I just said, those week three through six games are going to be where you can actually really, really evaluate where this team is at because they need, like I said, they need to win at least two of those games. So yeah, you can be an optimist. Um, but I just don't think this team is that good either way. I like Pat Pete. I got to <laughs> hang out with him more. I'm a, I'm a guy that invests in hope and in, in faith and in love. But I, I'm after yesterday, I really am doom and gloom. Uh, I, I don't. I imagine the Cardinals. Kyler Murray will rush for 250. <laughs> the the uh, the mobile quarterback scares me with how slow they looked as a as an overall team. I mean, it, are my eyes fooling me? Do you not to feel the same way? Uh, oh, they no. look slow. And- and even looking at the Giants tonight, who, like I, I reminded everyone, they lost by a bigger margin than the Jets, but that is not how we feel after these two games, right? The Giants kind of looked like they were flying around a little bit, in my opinion. I thought they were moving Played okay. Competitive. Played ultra competitive, I thought. Yeah. The, the, um, the interception uh, by uh, Danny Dimes, you know, at the end there, after that 19-play drive was, was brutal, but they were competing. I think Joe Judge has them with that little edge that they you know, they're not going to back down. Yeah, you know, well, well, absolutely. Good. I mean, the Giants, you're, you're talking about that interception, even if that turns into a field goal at the worst. I mean, you're looking at a one possession game, you know, probably midway through the fourth quarter and anything is possible from there. And then, you know, even if, again, if the, the Steelers put up a touchdown, the Giants still have a chance, but yeah, no, I think the Jets obviously were very underprepared. Uh, they were miserable as bad, as bad as you could possibly be for a week one game. That being said, another thing about being optimistic about the Jets is uh, they did finish the game. They, they fought, which, uh, you know, however much you want to say, wasn't really a question. They scored a garbage touchdown in the last minute to, to only lose by 10 instead of 17. But it didn't look like they gave up. And that is the one thing, I, you know, that you can kind of put a check mark in the box is week one, they get their, you know, their butts handed to them on the road immediately and that could have easily been a 35 point loss so oh, yeah. I, I guess I guess I will concede that to the Jets as well I, I wish I had the penalty numbers in front of me I don't have them here I, I don't know I, I just felt like every I had red zone on one screen I had the Jets on another screen and every single time I peeked at that screen it seemed like the Jets were getting a crucial penalty it was insane defensively and offensively absolutely I've got brutal. them for you I've got them for you right here the Jets committed nine penalties for 95 yards Bills. <laughs> 
seven for 80 yards. Yeah, the Bills snuck up there. But it felt like a crucial moments time and again. The, the Jets were, were committing penalties. And, and we'll move on to the Giants in a moment. But my last question here, Rock, we were talking right before uh, with the Niners now. So the Niners are coming off of a Super Bowl appearance, right? And in the past couple of years with the Falcons, with the Rams, we've seen it happen with Super Bowl losers have this weird slump. Hangover. Where, right, we all expect them to be better and better but there is a bit of a hangover opportunity. And now with the Niners, that possibility is there because it's another year of Shanahan's uh, offense being fully highlighted on tape. You know, is Jimmy Garoppolo the guy, the same conversations we could be having with Sam Darnold and Josh Allen and, and Baker Mayfield. Jimmy G, though he has way more wins under his belt at this point, could still be technically looked at at that conversation. And if there is a slump factor for the 49ers, you know, the Jets could be catching them at the right time. If they're coming in weirdly on this Super Bowl hangover thing, Rock, you give the Jets a fighting chance here? You give them a fighting chance? Because I could see it going one of two ways. The Niners rush for 500 or the Jets are in this game. Yeah, I uh, I do think they're going to play them tough. It's a West Coast, you know, West Coast trip for 49ers. going to be a 10 a.m. start for them. Um, you know, the Jets tend to play well when they're, to deem no shot, yeah. they were given a little shot against the Bills, right? Because it was a, uh, it was a fo- uh, yeah, in in uh, in division foe. Um, I, you know, as much as I'm I'm putting Donald down, uh, I think Donald would do real well in Shanahan's offense. Mm. That's kind of who how wouldn't I think? I expect right. Maybe I even kinda, Baker Mayfield might. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of expected the Jets to attack teams that way with the outside zone the boot, the, you know, all the different run game um, concepts and then, you know, take your deep shot and, and be, you know, be ahead of the, uh, the sticks that way. So that's going to be interesting. I, I'd like to see how they're going to block that front. Um, Bosa, you know, it, it's a, it's a formidable front. I mean, then Trent Williams, uh, I know you saw oh that clip gosh. of him just leading <laughs> Yeah, like, that's the other thing. You could have got him for a third-round pick. Like, you know, why weren't we going there? You had him, and now you have Beckton. You got really nice offensive line. Absolutely. Uh, well, we'll see. You know, the Jets, I'll, I'll pull up the spreads for the, the Jets and Giants games next week. I don't know if the Giants one probably isn't out yet, but the Jets are out. Uh, and, and we'll see what they got there. Uh, but, you know, moving on to the Giants now and their week one loss. Off the bat, Pat, is it? Is it weird for me to act like this Giants loss is not nearly as bad as the Jets loss, or am I pandering as a Giants fan over here? No, no, I think you're in the right mind to do that. Again, I think what you saw competitively from the Giants from the get-go, they were out there, they got the lead. Uh, You know, again, really this game to me, and you can say a lot of ifs about a lot of things, but this game is, you look at it completely differently in terms of the result, if Daniel Jones doesn't drive down the field with this offense, 18 plays for almost 90 yards and then throw an interception, trying to throw the ball at the back of the end zone. I think you're really, really happy with the effort the Giants gave you regardless of that result. And yeah, I mean, again, the Jets were down 21, nothing before you can even blink. And they were about as unprepared as you could be. And they had a second year head coach, the Giants, you got a brand new head coach with Joe judge. You didn't know what you were going to expect. Jason Garrett. I liked his play calls. Um, I think they were very competitive. And uh, again, I think you are, I think you're excited about the future, keeping in the back of your mind uh, what the future is and that this Giants team is still at least a year or two off from where they want to be at least. 
But like I said, overall, I, I was very happy with the way the Giants competed on Monday Night Football. Yeah. And uh, I think you got something to look forward to this season in terms of watching the progression of this team. The thing that strikes me, you know, Saquon Barkley didn't have over 10 yards. Like, you know, that Daniel Jones had more rushing yards than Saquon Barkley. Like that. That is true, and that is obviously going to be the biggest thing again this year is with that Giants offensive line, particularly in the running department. Uh, they were awful, uh, and, and that is, again, you know, they went up against a front seven that is one of the best in the NFL with the Steelers. Now, it's not the steel curtain of the past, but... Talk about flying around, man. Yeah, Holy with hell. Watt, I mean, that, that front seven is dominant, and you just saw the Giants just get stuffed back time after time trying to run the ball. Uh, Saquon, you know, again, people can look at the box score and say, geez, six yards. I mean, what, what the hell happened? Again, it's the offensive line, and that is that is going to need a lot of work still going forward. They had three new linemen tonight uh, for them, and you know, with Nate Solder opting out, I mean, who knows? They might have been better off if he opted out last year. So, uh, yeah, again, they got to get the run game going because they have a decent amount of weapons. You know, with Slayton and Ooh. Daniel Jones, I loved that connection with them on Monday Night Football. That looks like a connection that could be really fortuitous for them. And then you've got, obviously, Shepard. You've got Golden Tate. You've got Engram. I mean, they, their receiving core is very, very good. You've got Saquon. That offensive line, though, is going to really dictate on how much success this team can have. Because if you're trying to run the ball constantly and your running back, who's one of the best in the league, is getting no room to breathe, then you're going to force Daniel Jones to have to make a lot of moves for this offense. That's not where you want to be. So they have to get that run game going. Um, I think that is going to be the biggest uh, check mark for them to be able to, to put in the box next week is to be able to run the ball efficiently. Yeah. I, I said uh, before I was thinking what happened with Daniel Jones in my head is on that <clears throat> 18 play drive where he ended up throwing the pick. You ever be in a three, two count and you foul off like six pitches in a row and people say, Oh, he's getting swing happy. He's swinging at everything, just fighting it off, fighting it off. He was completion happy. He, he just, you know, did a bunch of third downs. He's running around. He's doing, you know, cross-field throws behind, you know, everything they say quarterbacks don't do. Don't throw it across your body, across the field like that. He's picking up first downs like that. And uh, he needs to know, and he'll probably get it with maturity, you hope, that you got to live to see another day on a play like that. you got to get three. You got to get your last chances. Um, I forget if that was third down or not when he threw the pick, was it? Second. It was second, right? So you even had another shot, take the sack, yep. throw it away, get the field goal. It doesn't matter. We saw in the Cowboys Rams those three points can can really add up if you don't if you don't take your shots there. Um Dell, defensively though, I actually I, I saw Blake Martinez, first of all, he's a big you know acquisition for the Giants, and then Jabril Peppers. He's he's a weird guy for me to kind of wrap my head around because he's so impressive athletically. Um where do you see him, you know, fitting into pro style defense right now like because he seems like he could be a box guy like Jamal Adams has he has all this speed and quickness to to cover in in the field but you know can he be a game breaker you see that in him I uh I believe you know the NFL now is more than ever a matchup league so I like him against the Ravens playing against Lamar Jackson and their you know and their run game and all their motions uh tonight the Steelers spread out. They those four wide receivers. The you know um, Juju, Claypool, Washington. Uh, who am I missing? Deontay uh, Johnson, who had a weird, did. really up and down game. Yeah. Yeah. So you know he he could uh, he's going to struggle covering those guys. Same way I felt. I I used to feel Adams was shaky in coverage. That he had to be near the box. That he was a a glorified linebacker. So I like Jabril Peppers. He's a uh, 
you know, a tri-state area high school football player, watched him for years, marveled at his talent, was a Michigan guy. I'm a big Michigan guy. So, uh, you know, I know Pat likes him when he was with uh, the Browns. So, um, <laughs> yes. I think it's on the, the, uh, the defensive coordinator of the uh, Giants to put him in situations where he could perform well. It's not going to be covering down a slot running a slot fade. It's going to be, like you said, close to the ball, rushing the passer, being a low-hole defender, being a spy, which the Jets could have used yesterday. <laughs> so I think that's where Jabril Peppers. Um, but w- one note, uh, uh, you know, and I know this debate's going to go on for years, uh, Jones and um, huh. Sam. Jones hit eight different receivers tonight. There's merit in that to me of spreading the ball around and, uh, you know, I think he had three guys that caught six passes. So it, sh- it shows I, – I was impressed with his accuracy. I, I, that, that one pick's going to – that's all they're going to talk about. But I, I, think, uh, I think Danny Dimes has a, has a future for sure. I mean, that's all I can ask for as a Giants fan, right? Seeing enough game in, game out to trust that he's going to keep you in games. Now, obviously, he made the Cardinal sin this time around. He actually had two picks. He had one on the the TJ Watt screen pass. TJ Watt just jumped up and snagged that. TJ Watt's an animal. Insane. But Danny Jones, man, the ball is flying off his hand, I thought. And actually, that's when I got nervous. I was like, oh, snap, he's letting it rip tonight. Maybe that's going to come back and bite him. And then he didn't do an overthrow pick. He got picked at the line of scrimmage. But I'm I'm with you, and, and I don't really understand the people who are still not believing in Daniel Jones. And I'm not saying we should all be out here, oh, he's going to be a pro bowler every year. He's going to lead to championships. He's going to lead to division titles. I, I don't think he's even the second-best quarterback in the division at this point. I, Wentz and Dak are better than Daniel Jones at this point in life, right? But to watch Daniel Jones and not see – uh, the escapability with the legs, which is so important. And I hate comparing them to Baker. Not, I'm not doing it because Pat's here. It's because they're in that same crossroads of their career where it's time to start figuring it out. Baker doesn't have that athleticism he thinks he has. He tries to escape. He gets caught. Daniel Jones, sneaky, has this athleticism and escapability to pick up third downs with his legs. And that is so important to a young quarterback. We're going to talk about Kyler Murray in a minute. Kyler Murray is a, oh my God, incredible passer. But when he starts scooting and those little legs start churning, it, it's in, it's incredible to watch. And Daniel Jones, obviously different build, different type of speed, all that stuff, but he has it in the, in the bag. And that combined with the arm talent and the seeming, you know, calm, cool collectedness of Daniel Jones, I have faith in this guy to, you know, keep the Giants in games for years to come. Yeah, Pete, I, I, uh, I think you're very spot on right there. Um, I, I, you know, he did it multiple times tonight, especially on that one drive, which again, ultimately ended in interception, which you are right. Everybody, uh, for their hot takes, or if they didn't watch the game and they watched the highlights, they're going to say, yeah, well, the interception, he should have thrown it away. So he's, he's not ready yet. No, he, I mean, he looked very good in many instances tonight. And on that drive, there were two third downs where he used his legs to get out of the pocket, beat a very athletic Pittsburgh defense and pick up a first down when needed. So um, I actually think the one he ended up a foot shy because he had the ball in his wrong mm. hand, but then they got it on fourth down. Um, he's afraid to fumble. Honestly, you know what? He's fumbled, well, that's the other thing. He fumbled and, 18 and again, times last year. He's not, he's not trying to fumble. That's a sign I, of uh, acknowledging his flaws. Again, Hopefully. and that is, that's the other thing that I was just going to address is the big thing with him last year was the ball protection. And, you know, anytime anybody basically got near him in the pocket, you had to hold your breath because you thought the ball was going to pop loose. So you saw that tonight. Uh, I think you saw, an, a, you know, the cognizance of him and the attention to take care of the football. 
And uh, again, you know, if he's able to hold on to the, and the ball and reduce the turnovers on those strip sacks and on those fumbles, you took away really, in my opinion, his one glaring weakness. Um, I think throwing the football, I think for the most part, uh, he's very accurate in short to mid-range passes. It's yet to kind of be seen how accurate he can be throwing the deep ball. Had that beautiful connection with Slayton. And I was going to say, pretty accurate on that one. That, yeah, was, a, that was a dime. Exactly, <laughs> that was. That was a dime. So, again, you know, hopefully you, you continue to see plays like that. Uh, but, again, his, his legs, I think, is something that's underrated. And you're right, he's not a, you know, he's not a Kyler Murray. He's not a Lamar Jackson, obviously, who have just absolutely – tremendous blazing speed overall though I really uh, really liked what I saw from Daniel Jones in you know his first week one start and you know again the one interception tried to throw it out of the end zone didn't get enough on and the other one was just an absolute you know tremendous play by TJ Watt so yeah and Bud, I mean, du- I, Bud I Dupree is honestly a freak too but the guy who uh, hit his arm on that pass Bud Dupree oh my god I don't want to yeah. be anywhere near him on a football field no yeah, he's, just, he's a stud drafting good players that's what why yo why do some the Steelers are perhaps one of the best drafting franchises in the league right dude they get a receiver they got a running back Benny Snell who happened to be a guy who I actually liked you know Kentucky dude it's like wait why did everyone else not like think about it now all of a sudden James Conner goes down and they're like oh no we got a guy don't worry about it we got Benny Snell fourth round draft they got a Kentucky what are you talking about right (laughs) and these receivers James Washington Dell you said I'm not I'm stealing your line now you said it before we started recording the, the Steelers' like fourth receiver might be the number one on the Jets. Without a doubt. Deontay, Without a doubt. Deontay Johnson is like just as good, perhaps. Maybe not as consistent. He's still pretty young. But he's the same type of talent as Jameson Crowder. And Jameson Crowder right now, the best receiver on the team. That's rough. Now, let me, let me ask you guys this. I want to pull you guys here. Chance that Darius Slayton's like a true number one. Like, I, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but this is a lot of games now where he's just consistently making plays. Is there a chance he's like a legit one? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I think uh, he, I didn't I didn't know who he was prior to last year. I know a few who people did? didn't either, and uh, I'm I'm impressed with him. He's got that big body. He's he's proved he could go up and get the ball, and he looks like um, Daniel Jones and him have a good connection. I think he had six catches tonight, right? He the big touchdown. Um, sky's the limit, you know, as as far as he goes and. Hopefully they grow together. So yeah, I do. I do think he could be a dude number one. I think he will be. Yeah, I mean, I, you talk about good organizations drafting good players. You usually will never catch yourself dead saying that about Dave Gettleman. You do have to <laughs> give him credit where credit is due. And a fifth round draft pick last year in Darius Slayton. You know, you're right, Rocco. Not a lot of people knew who he was uh, coming into last season, but I think he has quickly, very quickly, turned a lot of heads. And I, I agree as well. I think he's uh, he could be the number one receiver on this team for years to come. I think he is a tremendous athlete. I think he uh, is that deep threat that the Giants need. You saw it tonight. And I think he is somebody that can get you 100 to 150 yards any given Sunday. Now, now with all this, like, you know, semi-bullish talk we're having here with the Giants, we're, you know, talking about the nice things Daniel Jones have done. We did mention the, the lackluster run game, but the positive would be that they didn't abandon the run game, right? They kept going at it kept the defense honest that obviously you know helped on that long drive with the play action and, and, and whatnot but there there's not all you know roses here with the Giants there is some stuff uh that's that's not looking great they looked like they were getting shredded by Big Ben which many people have in the past uh in pass protection uh, or pass coverage I should say and their pass rush still I mean they had some some nice hurries on them especially early 
but it's still an issue, right? We talked about the Jets schedule. We look at the Giants schedule. <laughs> it's not looking nice either. And I was having arguments with my friends uh, all the past week and a half. You know, who's going to have the better record, the Jets or the Giants? And personally, as a Giants fan, I literally, I was like, I think the Jets are a better team. They're going to have a better record. You look at the Giants' next couple of games, you got the Bears, who are beatable, but 1-0 and a good defense. The 49ers, who, Super Bowl slump or not, are a greatly talented team. And then the Rams, the Cowboys, and the NFC East leaders, Washington football team. I don't think this Giants schedule is uh, going to make it to a situation where we look at the Giants as a true NFC East or even wildcard contender. I- I'm a little worried at- about that front, at least. No, yeah, absolutely not. I mean, yeah, it's nice to say nice things. And Pete Kennedy, I'm surprised that if, out of everybody, it was you who was kind of reeling us back in there. We kind of got a little carried away. We start talking about Darius Slayton. We all get excited. You know, But you're right. This Giants team is, uh, I think, going to be lucky to win more than four games this year, especially when you look at that schedule. I mean, you're playing the NFC West this year. You're playing uh, – who's the other division they're playing? The AFC North you know, which you've got to obviously talent all through that division with the exception of Cincinnati. And uh, again, there is still major, major flaws with this team. One being the offensive line, not being able to block for Saquon Barkley. And two, it's still that defense, which, you know, outside of a couple of names like Jabril Peppers and Marcus Golden, you know, has a lot, a lot of deficiencies, uh, especially in the secondary. You know, you picked up Brad Berry, you picked up Blake Martinez, who, like Rocco, like you said, or it was Pete, looked very, very good leading the team with a dozen tackles tonight. Mm. But uh, obviously you have the idiot DeAndre Baker, who's who might never play again in his career. Uh, you've got a very young and very exposable Corey Ballantyne as your other cornerback. And uh, in a pass rush, again, that is maybe just as bad as your offensive line. So uh, the Giants' defense, I think, is going to still be exposed many, many times this year, considering the offenses they're going to be going up against a la the, the L.A. Rams, a la the Dallas Cowboys, and, you know, then teams like later on the year like Seattle. So, again, I think Ooh. it is very important to keep the expectations in check, and you just want to continue to see this team grow because, like you said, uh, there's uh, you're going to probably t- still see this team take a good amount of beatings this year. That's what I'm saying. And you know what we're talking about? Oh, sorry, Rock, I cut you off. But real quick. I was say, Pat, you forgot the, uh, the first-place team in the uh, NFC East, the Washington football team. And I think the, I think the Giants will struggle blocking that front. Oh my as, gosh! And they, and I, oh, right. I said I said last year when the Jets played them, uh, I was marvelled at how good their offense and defensive line was last year. You know they would they had weak quarterback play. The Jets actually won that game. Was one of Donald's better, but I was like, this is a this is a solid. You know you win up front in the game from the high school level to college to NFL, and uh, you add Chase Young to that and. Uh, I, I think they're a sleeper sleeper team after seeing it yesterday, believe it or not. I think with Rivera, what he's going through, it, you know, I was sick getting IV at halftime coming out, <laughs> second half comeback. Like, they, they might be, you know, with seven teams in the playoffs, it might only take eight and eight to get into the playoffs. I shouldn't say that, not in the NFC. Well, there's an extra so wild card spot. There's the extra wild card spot, so it is possible. Let let me ask you this, boys. Has there ever been this many good quarterbacks in the NFL? No shot. Look at the NFC West. Look at, you know, the list goes on. We could go 14. We could go 14 quarterbacks, and we might not name Daniel Jones. You're definitely not naming Donald, but (laughs) you you could go 14 deep. Easy. In that NFC West, you know, I mentioned Jimmy G before, as he still has some stuff to prove as a passer. 
he's the the worst quarterback in that division. That's insane. If he should never be the worst quarterback in our division, but that's how good the position is in the NFL right now. And uh, speaking of good quarterbacks, we saw Big Ben on display here. You know, not looking perfect, but proving that he is a professional touchdown thrower, you know, slinger, moving around the pocket still. Had some a little run, actually, on third down. Um, so we said about the Bills, I asked you guys, you know, can we say the Jets got a tough matchup? The Bills are actually a really legitimate team. Uh, we're a little more bullish about the Giants game one. We could probably say that the Steelers aren't even close to their full stride or their full potential because this is Big Ben's first game in over in a year, not over a year, almost exactly a year. So for what we're using against one team, we have to use against another team and vice versa. One one thing we have to use for a team, we have to use for the other team. So we, we can't sit here and say that the Bills are so good it makes the Jets look worse. We could also argue the Steelers ain't even close to what they're going to be in a couple weeks. So who knows if we watch the Giants get smoked in the next two weeks, we're going to be feeling a lot better about the Jets perhaps. Yeah, uh, and just to kind of backtrack for one second, yeah, Rocco, tremendous point bringing up the Washington football team because they – uh, took Carson Wentz and ate him for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, uh, especially after going down 17 nothing. I mean, who, yeah, who knows what to expect from How that many team. sacks did they have? I don't know if you have it up. I'm sorry to make it work. It was eight. It got, the, it got eight sacks. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah, how many people do you think started the Redskins' defense in fantasy here, huh? Unreal. But, uh, man, that's that's crazy stuff right there. We'll see what happens with the Giants and the Jets. Uh, they got some tough matchups coming up. They got to put up or shut up, or or we're going to see some interesting stuff happen. More likely with the Jets. Obviously, the Giants staff is completely new, so more of a leash. We'll see if Garrett can get over the red zone woes, uh, and, and we'll keep a close eye. And on Subway Sports Talk, with us three right here, we're going to be talking football every week. We ain't, we ain't done yet, by the way. I'm, we're done with the Giants and Jets for now. Every week, we'll be talking some Giants, Jets, and around the league, and, and what better time to get to it than now? Around the league, what I want to do is I'm going to basically – either make a point or pose a question. Uh, and I want you guys to tell me if it's a week one overreaction or if you think it's legit. And however you want to take it from there, we'll go. And, and I think the perfect place to start is somebody who I talked about before in Kyler Murray. We've seen second-year quarterbacks in the past like two seasons now, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, take incredible strides and not just be fun to watch but consistently win football games in their second year. You guys look at Kyler Murray. Is it a week one, you know, great game, or does this guy have what it takes to bring the Cardinals into the playoffs and beyond? Pete, I think they're a sneaky good team, and I think Kyler Murray is is a tremendous athlete and is getting better each week as a quarterback. Uh, I saw a tweet from Daniel Jeremiah that he ran the ball 13 times, and he either slid or went out of bounds like so he's protecting his body so I do think that he could last through a 16 game season and potentially you know sneak into the playoffs and and be a tough out um I think you know the DeAndre Hopkins pickup gave him that formidable game-breaking wide receiver and we all know Larry Legend and his football intelligence um my question to them will be the defense but I think Week in and week out, Kyle's going to definitely make us turn the TV on. And Pat, what do you think there? Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, we saw it last year. The modern-day quarterback is here to stay. You know, pocket passes are a thing of the past, uh, especially once you get Breeze, Brady, uh, and, Ro- you know, even Rodgers is kind of the first one. 
I am Matt Ryan. I mean, once those guys die off, man, I mean, you might, you might not be able to have a job in the NFL as a quarterback if you can't use your legs as well as you can use your arm. And we saw it with Kyler Murray. I mean, he is an absolute full-blown loaded weapon every time he has the ball in his hands. Threw the ball 26 times, uh, threw the ball 40 times, completed 26 passes for 230 yards. And you mentioned, Rocco, great job bringing that point up. 13 carries, 91 yards, and he did protect his legs, ran for a touchdown. So you got a guy that's putting up 300-plus yards combined and, uh, you know, leading that team with his offensive playmaking uh, with a relentless fear. Uh, it was – honestly, it was tremendous to, to see. And the fact that now they've got DeAndre Hopkins, who, you know, wizard GM Bill O'Brien absolutely getting crushed immediately in that trade. <laughs> um, you know, still one of the best receivers in the game, if not the best. And, you know, Kyler Murray has now added that to his arsenal. Mm. I'll tell you what, dude, Cardinals might be the, the ultimate sleeper team of this entire season. If they can, if they can put that, that performance together every day. Cause let's, uh, let's, let's keep it real. The 49ers defense. I don't think they got a whole lot worse. If worse at all, I still think that is a super bowl caliber defense who was lit up and really had no answer at the end of the day for Kyler Murray. Mm. We were questioning if that was the right decision just to make him the franchise quarterback. Uh, last year and I think uh, it is going to pay massive massive dividends just watching what he did in week one of year two yeah man what we were hopeful for you know with Sam Darnold last year Daniel Jones this year what we've seen with not I said Mahomes and Lamar Carson Wentz year two MVP candidate that is a real possibility with Kyler Murray that guy is incredible he also rips it like when he threw that ball flies out of his hand when he starts ripping too so he's impressive on the MVP front my next question for you guys this is a, a statement that, you know, I don't think it's too hard to, to get behind, but this dude has never had one single MVP vote. It's already a narrative. You guys might know where I'm going already. 31 of 35, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, 322 yards. Russell Wilson, MVP this year, or is he just a hot week one guy right now? Uh, I, I, think, I think it's always, uh, you know, you're never going to be wrong to throw Russell Wilson into the MVP discussion. And uh, we've seen for years now that he is, again, just like Kyler Murray, a dual threat quarterback, his ability to escape pressure. And when you think he's going to get sacked, you think he has no chance of getting out of a sack. He still does it, still creates, able to throw the ball down the field. And, you know, the Seahawks, for how long last year, were trying to protect him by not allowing – they didn't want him to, to escape the pocket. They didn't want him to run. I mean, that is the chance you're always going to take with an injury with a guy like that, like we saw with Cam Newton. Uh, but, I, again, I mean, when he's able to do that and create plays, Russell Wilson is uh, definitely a top three, if not a uh, you know one of the best quarterbacks in this league. Uh, but, actually, Pete, I think I'm going to say no. I don't think he is the MVP after just one week because I think the Green Bay Packers woke up oh. the sleeping dragon. And I think the performance you saw from Aaron Rodgers, yes, the, the Minnesota Vikings defense did not look as great uh, as we've been accustomed to the last two years. But I think it is because Aaron Rodgers, after, I mean, who knows, conspiracy theories, you want to say maybe they drafted Jordan Love to kind of light the fire under Aaron Rodgers, or was it actually a legitimate move? Because uh, I think it was a stupid one if that's why you actually drafted him. <laughs> no matter how you skin it, it's bad. Aaron Rodgers lighting up the Minnesota Vikings defense week one uh, I think this could be an MVP type season for him. Dell Russell Wilson, your MVP pick, or who you got? It, you know, I I uh, I am buying Russell. 
And it's funny that this guy's thrown now over 30,000 yards, I think they said, in nine seasons. And he, they, uh, he passed Steve Young with rushing. And he's never had an MVP vote, like you said. It just goes to show how good the quarterback play is in this league right now. Um, I am buying Russell Wilson. I'm a, I'm a big believer in his creation, how he creates plays. Um, he hasn't had the same arsenal that some quarterbacks have. And I think now he's gotten a steady group out there of receivers. And uh, yeah, I, I think this could be the year, but it will not be easy. The list goes on. As Pat just said, Rogers look tremendous. You have Lamar. You have Mahomes, you have Kyla, and uh, you have Ben tonight. So, you know, it's going to take all 16 weeks to really find out. Should be interesting. You could already tell this will be a heavy offensive year. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny. Don't they say, you know, like camp coach, think back to all your times at Camp Wayne. What always picks up faster, the defense or the offense? Oh, yeah, defense. That's weird. Now now we're having all this. That's what I'm saying. I always thought the defense got a quicker step, but now – well, offense looks sick right now. Well, you know, there's there's two parts to that, in my opinion. Um, you know, and people will battle this and say, oh, they're, they're in the NFL. They've played football their whole life. But the lack of preseason games and the um, the lack of contact now with the new CBA has allowed for poor tackling. Mm. And also, as someone that is a defensive coach, the offense, uh, the game is really going towards offense with, you used to say when you throw the ball, you know, three things could happen and two of them are bad. Mm. Not so much now because defense, you really can't put your hands on that receiver. Like a lot of those Jets yards yesterday in the penalties were were from pass interference. So it, the, the stats are, are moving towards offense. The scheme with the RPO, with the spread offense, with like Pat said, the dual quarterback the the uh, dual threat quarterback so it's becoming more offensive day by day and what's funny about that point because I completely agree with you is that the story of the first week of football was the offensive pass interference called on Michael Gallup and the offensive pass interference called on AJ Green uh one of which I AJ Green that was that was push off he went too high arm was up here and and Michael Gallup I don't agree with the call, but I completely get it. I think if you're going to say that it's a completely BS call, I can't even believe he called it. Like, you're looking at it in slow-mo, and you're not looking at it in real time like these refs. His hand was on the guy's shoulder, and Ramsey sold it. It's a simple thing that it was called. It makes sense to me. But that's funny because it is so offensive. Also, what we've seen in week one is that when offensive players lower their head, uh, they're getting called for that a little bit too. But I agree, you know receivers don't have to be as scared as they used to going over the middle because they know that if they get popped, you know, at least they're getting 15 yards and maybe someone on the defense might get ejected. So the defensive players know that, the offensive players know that, and we'll see if that offensive trend continues moving on to week two and and, and so forth. Uh, next, I want to go to the possibly marquee game uh, of the week, and that's Saints-Bucks. So I'll pose this question to you, and, and, and Rock, I'll go to you first. Was this more of the Bucks struggling and something to worry about, or was it more of the Bucks just have some time to get it right, and the Saints are really good? Uh, so, are you on the pro Buck side, or the Bucks have some real worries here side? So, I'm gonna I'll go with the the first point. I think uh, I think the Bucks will be fine. I think um, the Saints are a top three, top four team in the NFC. Um, 
like you said, new, new situation for Brady. Um, I, I thought they would be in a, in good shape there because no fans, very tough to play in the Superdome mm. with that crowd noise, with that atmosphere. Um, I do think they'll get it together. I still see them as a 10 and six, nine and seven team that sneaks into the playoffs. And then, you know, when it's in the playoffs, you give Brady a shot any week. So I, I think, uh, I think that was just the first week you're facing a, 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 a squad that's, uh, you know, been to the playoffs two times in the last two years and, and have lost suddenly. And they're, uh, they're primed to make a run this year, I believe. And Drew Brees is what we could be saying last year. Yeah, and I, I kind of, um, you know, to, to kind of add on to Breeze, again, the guy has just been absolutely solid, you know, year after year after year. It's somebody that continues to age uh, like a fine wine. I mean, he's got the weapons and he's got the offensive line and he's got the coach, but I mean, he continues to just show up every Sunday and deliver. And um, I, I know that they, uh, him and, and Sean Payton both described their performance, uh, you know, in the win against the Buccaneers as awful. Uh, I think that's them kind of being a little bit too hard on themselves. Uh, I think overall he had a really – a couple nice completions. The one to Jared Cook for 46 yards uh, was one of a very – handful of very good throws he made. Um, so I, I think you, uh, you you kind of take the Saints and you put them in the same situation as you have the last three years, and that is the uh, – is the, <laughs> the rest going to screw them again because I think that's another team that can contend for the NFC title. Um, and then just to talk about Brady – you know, so many times it's with a new quarterback is, okay, how long is it going to take to adjust to the system? And you think with Tom Brady, maybe it won't, but uh, I definitely think uh, it will, especially you saw the interception, um, the two interceptions, one being a pick six, which was absolutely his fault. The other one, uh, Bruce Arian said, he flat out said, hey, both interceptions were Brady's fault. And mm. I think that was kind of aggressive for Arians to throw Brady under the bus after one game. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, definitely a bit concerning uh, with Brady. I mean, then again, I know I saw a tweet yesterday. Uh, they, you know, there were four pass interferences that the Saints committed that added up for over 100 yards. So you look at Brady's numbers, they weren't that impressive. I think he only threw for like 240 yards. He had the two picks. Easily could have thrown for over 300, if not more. And, um, you know, again, it's, it, it, I, I think with this Bucks team, I, I thought it wasn't going to take a lot of time for them to adjust. But it, it obviously is. Um, and, and you consider, you know, you couple that with the fact that Mike Evans is kind of banged up. He only caught one pass. And you don't know what you're going to get from Gronkowski. If he's healthy, I think obviously he still has the weapons to be a huge, huge uh, bonus for this team. Um, but I actually, I liked what I really saw from Howard and Brady, the other mm. tight ends. Um, and overall, uh, I'm not too worried about the Bucks and Brady. Um, I think they're just going to need a little bit of time. But, yeah, Breeze and the Saints are still right where they always have been for the last couple of years. Well, here's my take. And, and we're, you know, we're one or two topics away from the end here, so I won't go too long. But here's my spin zone take on the Bucks. This reminds me of the Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Brooklyn Nets. This reminds me of, you know, super teams. It's Mello and Derrick Rose in the garden. It, it's, wow. You know what I'm saying? And that's my spin zone wow. take. I'm just saying, like, the Brooklyn Nets with KG, Paul Pierce, and them, you know, they won some games. They were in a playoff series and, and whatever, but – we never really looked at them as a true contender, and I think we're going to reach a point with the Bucks where we're going to keep saying, oh, Brady's there, Brady's there, they're always a contender, they're always a contender, but I'm just not seeing it just yet. I'm not ready to, to say that they're even competing for their division. Obviously, the Saints are the best team in that division right now. So my spin zone take is this is a, a, 
uh, what a super team like, but it's a Derrick Rose super team on the Knicks. Like it's not going to be, and that's harsh. I know, that's but a, like, a, you might have egg on your face, Pete. I no, don't know about that one, man. And I'm not what? saying it's the Knicks level. I'm talking, it's more of the KG Paul Pierce, Brooklyn Nets yeah. level where it's one year of, of solid play, but that's what it is. It's just solid. It's not near championship contender. Once, once Leonard Fournette cropped the picture, the magic Johnson picture to be the bucks. I, I knew they were doomed. Yeah, I knew. That's what I'm saying. That hype reaches a certain point where it's like, hold on, hold on. Let's think about this. Gronkowski hasn't played in a year. Game one did not look good in his favor. Obviously, he has time to get the legs under him and whatnot. Uh, But we haven't seen this Bucs team close games. They're super talented on defense, but they haven't closed games. Arians has put up points, but, you know, there's a lot of things that still need to go right for this team to be where they want to be. And, I'm, you know, the Derrick Rose super team thing is way too aggressive, but... The Brooklyn Nets super team thing, I think it could be really accurate. You know, lower end playoff team, maybe win one, but I ain't betting on them to win anything past, you know, one round in the playoffs. Look, I know, I all I know is this, is the fact that you have Tom Brady swapped in for famous Jameis, Amos Winston. Oh, picks, picks, was, picks. Who cares who it is, right? <laughs> yeah, pick six Winston. I mean, dude, going they're obviously in a much better spot. And this Bucks team, what, they went eight and eight last year? Or are they seven and nine? And they, there was easily three or four games that if you have any other quarterback but Winston in the league in that spot. Hey, you know what? I'm probably... arguing there. I'm arguing there because, yes, he blew games, but he was also the reason they were even in those games. He wasn't just throwing four picks. He was throwing four touchdowns. Yeah, and that's where I think you attribute that to Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and, and Brashad Perriman uh, having the seasons that they did more so than Jameis Winston. I mean, he does Slinging have a strong it. arm, obviously. He's got a big arm. <laughs> but he was never, never accurate, especially when they needed it most. And although Brady doesn't have the arm, maybe of Jameis Winston, he's got the leadership. He's got the competitiveness. He's got obviously all the titles to to add to it. And he's got that accurate arm. Um, like I said, it would be concerning to see some of the, the two interceptions he threw in, in that game. But I, Pete, I'm telling you, give this team some time. They're going to be there hey. when, when, when January rolls around. I promise you. We'll see. We'll see. Tell you think I'm crazy for that take or you like it a little bit? No, I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, let's I, go, baby. <laughs> I, think, I think you're crazy before this, but I love that take. Yeah, hey, that's what I'm talking about. All right, last one here before we say our last words. Uh, Rams, Cowboys. You know, Cowboys blowing it or Rams look good? Which is it? Wow. Um, you know, I, I watched a lot of the Rams because I'm a big Hard Knocks guy. Mm, Hard Knocks um, was pretty sick this year, by the way. So they, they had that last year. They had the Super Bowl hangover. Right. Um, I'm not crazy on golf, but I, I am big fan of McVeigh and, and his system. Um, I thought that was a, a, a good football game. And uh, I think the Cowboys blew it. I think, um, you know, I thought McCarthy mismanaged it down towards the end. And, uh, you know, I, I think um, I think all year we're going to be saying how competitive the NFC is. I keep going back and saying I could name 12, 12, in my opinion, 12 out of the 16 teams could really make a case for the playoffs. Mm. And, and I don't think you could say that really, really in the AFC. Like I, I was saying to myself before yesterday, like, Hey, the Jets got an outside chance of making it to the playoffs because the AFC is so weak. The, the NFC is, is loaded. So, uh, I think the Cowboys will be fine, and I, I think I think the Cowboys are in better shape, believe it or not, than the Rams, because the Rams are going to go through hell every week in that division. Mm, that's true. Pat, what do you think about that? 
Yeah, no, you're uh, I'm absolutely right. I think, again, the NFC West, if it wasn't the best division in football last year, it certainly is this year. You've got uh, basically all four teams, you know, that, that could that could potentially make the playoffs. I think you're spot on with how competitive the NFC is. And again, I just think the Cowboys, it, it came down to it again. You can, you know, Dak Prescott can, can throw for 4,500 yards in any season that he wants to. He can throw for three, four touchdowns against sub 500 teams when it comes to playing the best teams in the league. And especially when it matters most, he's going to fall flat on his face, just like this Dallas Cowboys team will. And anybody, um, I know, especially, you know, some prominent NFL reporters, ones that we most associate with the sport are picking this team to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, I think that's a joke. One. Yeah. Um, so uh, again, you know, three, three points in the second half from this Dallas team when they, when you needed that offense to kind of uh, step it up most, they failed again. And, you know, granted LA's got a great defense and they've got a great football team. Uh, but I think it's the same old story. When the Dallas Cowboys play the best teams in the league, they are going to come up short. And for the Rams, uh, Rocco, you mentioned it. You know, they had the Super Bowl hangover last year. I think they're motivated. Um, I think this is a year where they definitely take a, a big step forward. But a lot of that is going to be, uh, you know, dependent on how good the rest of this division uh, really is. And I think it's going to be very good. So the Rams, you know, any any other division, they could win 11 to 12 games. Uh, it might be tough for them to win 10, though. But, I mean, I, I think that was a really good Sunday night football game. I think you had a little bit of everything. Mm. Um, and then you got pretty boy Jalen Ramsey selling that call at the end. So, <laughs> hey, you know, it'll be interesting to have this conversation again in like three, four weeks because – if we start to feel differently about maybe the 49ers or the Cardinals maybe lose a couple in a row, and then we start to say, ah, it's the Seahawks and the Rams. A lot of things can change, so there's a lot of time uh, to move, but I'm I'm with the Rams right now. I like their energy. I like I like McVay, just like you, Rock. Hard Knocks, he seemed like they just won 14 games last year. You know, like he's yeah. he's got that confidence and that chip and that love for football that is unmatched, and, and you know, he's not getting down again. Uh, and getting off to a bad start like they did last year because they had a chance last year even still to make the playoffs. But I like the Rams a lot. Now, my last, like, you could do, like, a one-word answer or one-sentence answer here. More embarrassing loss in week one, Lions or Colts? Lions. Oh, because of the drop pass or just because that always happens to them? (laughs) Mitchell Trubisky looked like Peyton Manning in the fourth quarter. (laughs) He he was all of a sudden. Mitch Trubisky crushing him. What the hell is that oh, about? Oh, man. But, dude, DeAndre Swift off the shoulder. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. Actually, might have hit him right in the face mask. I'm not I'm not going to lie. Uh, I forget. Pat, Colts, Colts more embarrassing? Yeah? Oh. Colts. Because they ruined I, your survivor pool? Is that why? Oh, well, yeah. Swan because of that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, two, I mean, it's the, it's the classic narrative. You're going up against a team that sold off everybody. You know they were going to come out playing gritty. And uh, the Colts you know, led for most of this game and then just, again, fell flat on their face in the end. Phillip Rivers does what Phillip Rivers does is he throws interceptions at the worst possible times. Couple that with the fact that Marlon Mack now is probably done for the year. One of the best uh, running backs in the AFC goes down with the Achilles injury. And uh, again, the Colts who you, you were banking on them starting this season one and oh, they, they allowed Gardner Minshew, who I'm still not sold on as being a great quarterback. He let Gardner Minshew Real complete solid. all, all but one of his passes um, he looked I, good, man. He slings he it, bro. Good, I like I, him. I, think they, I started I think him in fantasy him, a bunch last year. I think they made him look a lot better, um, mm. especially in some of those late-game situations. I think there was a lot of breakdowns in the Indianapolis defense, and I think to lose the way they did and you lose your star running back, embarrassing. I gave myself like an entire pep talk to not pick the Colts for one of my – I had two survivor pools. I said, don't do it. 
You're not going to be happy rooting for Phil Rivers, for old man Rivers over here when it's a close game. You're not going to be happy. And I still did it. I still won in my survivor pools. I still put uh, the Colts, took the L, just like, you know, probably 30% of everybody else in survivor pools. Unbelievable. I think the Colts, just because, you know, like they were, they're not just looked at, by the way, as a team that should have won week one. They are the, the dead set favorite to win their division which I think is crazy because I am not trusting Phil Rivers at this point in his career. But what are you going to do? The Lions blow it every single time. I don't know. That's it. A lot of embarrassing losses to happen. Hopefully less in New York than more. Uh, But this is great. Pat, Rock, fantastic debut episode for our NFL show. We're going to have to brainstorm some ideas for a little, you know, what are we called? We have the NBA outsiders for basketball, the designated hitters on the baseball front. We got to brainstorm over here. Uh, We'll figure something out. But as we end every single show, on Subway Sports Talk, I just say the floor is yours. Last words, it could be, you know, a sports shout-out. It could be a personal life shout-out. It can be absolutely anything. It could be a different sport. It doesn't even matter. So, uh, Pat, you first. Last words for Subway Sports Talk. What do you got? Uh, well, first, obviously, thanks so much again, uh, Pete, for, for putting this team together. I think it's a great team. Um, I, I love cho- chopping it up with you guys for the last hour. Flew by. Um, last words, as a Browns fan, 38 to six destruction at the hands of a Ravens. We and the brand new head coach, brand new GM. You had five new head coaches in the league. The only one to win their first game, Ron Rivera, mm. Super Bowl game, Ron Rivera. And they should have, they should really have won it up down 17, nothing against the Eagles. So with my Browns, I'm not judging them on week one. I will judge them very harshly Thursday night. If they can't beat the Cincinnati Bengals, I'm coming with a head full of steam next time. <laughs> Rock, same through you. Uh, you know, last words, whatever you want, wherever you want to take it. What do you got? Uh, gentlemen, you guys are, are rising stars in this game. I'm happy to be a part of this journey uh, as far as this this uh, small podcast here of us. Um, Pete, thank you. Pat, tremendous. Uh, I, think, uh, I think it's going to be an interesting NFL season. I think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to – the depth of the organization as we see all the hamstring injuries uh, and what, what's going on with the injured reserve. Um, I'm hoping the the Jets and Giants give us some good moments that we could talk about. And uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to keep going here, to get rolling on this train. Um, you know, they, you know, they say either on the train or you're on the track. So hey, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, and I guess yeah, I, I just realized, Pat, we forgot to talk about the Browns for a second and Joe Burrow because we were we were planning on doing that, but we were we ran out of time. We talked about a lot of stuff. Uh, great worry, fun. Wait, I look wait, forward. Wait for wait for next time when Joe Burrow runs for a hundred yards and the Bengals <laughs> beat the Browns. And Randy Bullock, who you know fake injured the wrong calf, holding his right calf. He said, "I hurt my left calf." Watch, Randy yeah. Bullock will kick a winning fifty-yard field goal. I guarantee it. Oh my God, that's amazing. Well, we'll talk about you know the Browns and the Bengals and Burrow and Baker. Next time around, this is awesome. Great fun. Uh, My last words are, don't forget about the NBA. Holy hell. The Nuggets are in game seven. We have the Clippers with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, should I keep going, Marcus Morris, in game seven against Jokic and Murray, who have only ever played seven game series in every single playoff series they've ever played in the NBA. Absolutely insane. I can't believe we have a game seven tomorrow night. Uh, Well, tonight, by the time you're listening to this podcast, the NBA Outsiders We'll be here uh, maybe uh, probably a Wednesday morning release to cover Game 7 and and the Eastern Conference Finals and whatnot. Sports are fantastic right now. I don't even know what to watch. Uh, Football took over this weekend. 
But I'm back on the basketball grind. We're going to be back on Subway Sports Talk week in, week out, football, baseball, basketball, all sorts of fun stuff. And, Pat, what do you got? Final last words, very final last words, Pete. In terms of your basketball, put the crown even tighter on LeBron's head if Kawhi falls flat on his face in Game 7 on Tuesday night. There you go. There you go. I don't, oh, yeah. I, I have nothing to say to that because if Kawhi loses this series, that is a bad look. All of us out here singing his praises saying, yo, Kawhi, the real deal, calm, cool, collected, never sweat in a game in his life. Like he's just straight steady killing people. Lose to the Nuggets after being up 3-1. Some of that hate that Kawhi has never really gotten other than the weird injury season with the Spurs maybe coming his way. But that's it, baby. Subway Sports Talk. I'm Peter Kennedy for Pat Boyle for Rocco Del Puri. This is it. We'll be back every week talking football. You guys keep enjoying your sports lives out there. We got so much to watch. So thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed.